Welcome to this week's Henchman of Comics. I'm Alex Eschback. And I'm the boner champ, Matt Golden. And this week we are talking about the number ones that came out in the month of August. Uh, some of them came out in July, and I think maybe even one came out in June. Well, but, that's just because you're not good at calendar work. No, I am really not. Alex said, hey, give me all the number ones that you've got from this month. And I said, sure, I got you. And I just reached back into my collection and just grabbed whatever <laughs> I wanted. And as you guys know, Matt usually curates this list. He's listening. He did most of the ones today. I had to pick out a few, who, however, that I just couldn't resist not reading right away. Uh, yeah, so real quick on that. Alex typically does not grab any single issue comics, but... He grabbed things that I don't ever grab, which are miniseries. I don't typically touch miniseries with a 10-foot pole. If it's not uh, over like the 10-issue mark, then I typically don't fucks with it. Yeah, you might pick it up in trade, but never for the Oh, yeah, like issue. I'll pick up a trade of it, sure, but I don't, I don't like having that six issues. If it's like seven or eight, then we'll talk, maybe. Uh, you want to go ahead and get into it? Fuck yeah, I do. Okay, so we're going to start with the DC books, and we are uh, cheating a little bit with this one. Because we're a thousand issues past number one, but we're talking about Action Comics 1001 by Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, we missed the mark on this one, guys. We're sorry. We wish we could go back to the 30s or 40s or whatever this started. <laughs> I think it was the 40s. I don't. I want to say like 1941, but I'm not positive. I'm going to say 1942. Uh, take, <laughs> take the overall. <laughs> yeah. You're watching too much prices, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought this one was a good book. Yeah, we covered Action Comics 1000. In an earlier episode, that only gave us a hint at Bennis's writing for Superman. It didn't really touch on on this comic whatsoever. No, there's like no tie-in at all between that uh, and this. Which is uh, good, I thought. So, what were your thoughts on this issue? Brian Michael Bendis write comic real good. Okay, so Bizarro entered the studio, taking over Matt, and is now <laughs> recording for him. Uh, I thought it was okay. Uh, it wasn't my favorite favorite bit of story. It wasn't my least favorite. I just need more. It's very small potatoes right now. Superman investigating an arson investigation for most of it. Uh, I did like the angle though. However, also spoilers for every issue we talk about. Uh, it like the already the one Clark was at the Daily Planet of Trish, the gossip columnist, getting all up in his business as he was scroll- scrolling through pictures of the Rogue. Oh, yeah, to figure she out was who trying to get him. all up inside that Superman. Yes. She was going to be up in that dude. I mean, not Superman, Clark Kent, mild manner reporter. Yeah. Uh, Just also a quick heads up. We're going to give a very brief review on on most of these things. We've got like a dozen comic books to talk about here. Because like Alex said, I'm a bad curator. So (laughs) I went back like a month and a half. So is this one that you're going to keep buying the issues for, wait for a trade, or pass on? I'm going to wait for a trade. And then even then, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I'm going to, I'm kind of saying a lot, like, I will wait for a trade for this, and I was going to say, if it's not good, I'll probably stop reading it, but, I mean, that's patently not true. I mean, I'll just keep reading it because it's been this and it's Superman, but right now, it's not a trade that, like, oh my god, a new one of these came out, I can't wait, I need to go to my comic book store right now and pick it up. Yeah, I, over the past two weeks, I have picked up four trades on their release dates, and I cannot see myself picking up Action Comics on its release yeah. date. This is a digital uh, pickup for me. 
Uh, yeah, it's fine. It's good. Superman investigating arson. Yeah. It does seem kind of low and, risk, but it's fun. Yeah, and it's, it's fun. And we could be wrong too. Like by issue yeah. two or three, things completely turn around. Uh, let's go and jump to the next one now. We got Justice League Dark number one, written by James Tinian. Uh, the fourth James Tinian. The oh, fourth. My apologies. Two, the first, the second, and third. He's long dead, I imagine. And I've really liked his run on Detective Comics. I believe you've been a fan as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's fantastic. So what do you think of this uh, first Justice League Dark book? I loved it. It's it's easily, I think, in my top five of the ones that we're going to talk about here. Um, and I would, I mean, I also don't remember everything in this stack off the top of my head. So it might be in the top three, but it's really good. It is a great book. It's got a great team. It deals basically with the magical elements uh, that you're familiar with in most Justice League Dark series. But this team is led by Wonder Woman, which I thought was a fitting leader. I thought it was odd at first, but they realized that, I mean, her nature is magical. Uh, so she is a fitting leader. She obviously has the experience, but the team is great. You have Swamp Thing, who's always great in every book he's in. One of those powerful members of the DC Universe. Zatanna, who should be a part of every Justice League Dark team. Detective Chimp, who should be the star of a book. <laughs> there should be just Detective Chimp books, as are our Batman books. I disagree. You also have Man Bat as well, uh, which I like that balance, though. Uh, it's Dr. Uh, Levi, but he's taking, he's in the Man Bat formula, but he's actually has this right center of mind. So he's the scientific, rational mind of the team. I thought it was a nice twist because you need to have that well, approaches it from things from a different angle. And then he was in the book heavily, but he hasn't been confirmed as a member of the team in the first issue. But John Constantine, and for a few panels that he was in, I thought they were fantastic. Oh, if anybody deserves to be on a Justice League Dark team, it's fucking John Constantine. Yeah. But let me go back to my favorite character of this whole fucking series is Man Bat as a fucking quirky kind of doctor. Love that shit. Yeah, who's fantastic. driving Wonder Woman insane because he hasn't left the lab at all. It's yeah. excellent. It's wonderful. And the art is incredible. The story's the really, yeah. really good. Um, and it centers around two. You see Zatanna's powers are acting wonky. She gets a vision a fiery vision of her father, Zataro, warning her uh, about things to come. So there's a lot of buildup for future events. Speaking of people who have passed, I got a, an invite from my deceased father for 1999 Ray-Bans on Facebook. Literally today, this actually happened. Uh, do you think that he's trying to speak to me from beyond the grave that I should buy 1999 <laughs> uh, Ray-Bans. Do you think that like that's him like reaching out like the one thing that he has to say is like, you really need to upgrade your style in this department only. <laughs> yeah, I actually... I like everything else you're doing, but you aren't complete without the Ray-Bans. You really need them sunglasses, kid. That's or what he's trying to do you me. think in heaven that there's also marketers in heaven and they've reached out to ghosts and they're paying them. They're like promising to upgrade their pearly gates experience. If they push <laughs> these uh, items on their uh, relatives, like when you go to a museum and they're like, do you want the audio tour as well? Exactly yeah, like that. It's 100% yeah. the same thing. Wow. Uh, yeah. I thought that was kind of weird and it kind of ties into this a little bit. Not at all, but kind of. Yeah, it does because they're actually all wearing Ray-Bans the entire time. <laughs> it was the most obvious product placement I've ever seen. Yeah, I think uh, our phones are really listening to the really listening to the to us to the point to where they're like, uh, "I'm gonna get inside your comic now." Ray-Bans only twenty dollars, everybody. <laughs> okay, so what do you think of this? Was this you're gonna keep on buying it, wait for a trade, uh, or are you done? Issue two came out on Wednesday and I already purchased it and I have okay. yet to read it, but I am very excited to, and we'll see from there. 
I usually will grab, if I like it, the first two or three issues. And then if I like issue number two, regardless of what I think of issue three, I will go to at least five. This is a uh, a way for a trade for me, but not in defense. I didn't like it. I did love this book, but I just want to see the whole story all at once. Good. We're going to also break these down from our least favorite to our most favorite, I think, yeah. here in a bit. Anywho, that's that's it for the DC number ones. We're moving on to Image Comics. Yeah, and Image we're going to jump into first with Farmhand, a book written and drawn by Rob Guillory, who of Chew fame. And we, Matt and I both love Chew. Yeah, this is actually the comic that got me started on comics. Or not Chew was, sorry. Yeah. Not Farmhand. <laughs> not the one that came out for the first He's time He's a time ever. traveler. Yep. He, the worst way to bust it. Like, you're <laughs> anonymity about the whole thing. Shit, I just fucked up my story. Uh, I love Farmhand. And this is one of the ones you said that was not a August release, correct? Yeah, Farmhand uh, number two came out this month. Yeah. And Farmhand number three will... So, <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was late July, I believe, okay. is when this one came out. Still, fuck off. It's great. <laughs> Eat my ass. Um, but yeah, I thought this was great. I mean, his art style is so distinct. And his art style always adds so much to the story. At the end of this issue, I'm not really sure what's going on or what or what's happening. I know I have an idea of some characters that's an interest. Not so much our protagonist outside, but it's really compelling and I want to know more. Yeah, it's about a man who moves back uh back home to be closer to his family. His family owns this farm that grows on trees and bushes and shit, actual human limbs, and they just happen to be green. And they also happen to be evil. Or oh, have, yeah. not evil, have their own motives. It's yeah. like the movie Idle Hands, but without the offspring. So because of that, this issue gets a zero out of ten because the offspring should be in every book and story ever. Yeah, uh if this if they would have had just made one the offspring reference in this comic book, no, it would, it not, would have gotten not, not references. I want them in the book. <laughs> you got the actual band in yes. the book. As themselves. Fair enough. Uh so you've heard it here, Image, Vertigo, DC, Marvel. Aftershock, boom. Or if you guys just want to make an Idle Hand comic book, I'll be okay with that too. Mm, let's not do that. There is a Stranger Things comic book coming out soon, yeah. by the way. It should be an Idle Thing, Idle Hands comic book. Nope. 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 Okay, so this you're going to keep buying this, wait for a trade, or you're done. I've bought issue number two and I already subscribed to the series. <laughs> okay. I love it. It's so fucking great. The art is very, very Rob Guillory, just like Chew. In every way. It makes me think that Rob Guillory had a much larger hand in that series than um, I'm led to believe. Yeah, it, it makes me wonder, too, that if Chu or Farmhand like, ever gets picked up to be like a live-action TV show or movie, how well it will translate. Not for the story itself, but just because his art style adds so much. And it's, I mean, it's quirky and outlandish. Uh if if that could will be translated onto the silver screen, didn't the didn't you get picked up as a television show at one point? It did, but then it, it didn't make a past development. That's a real um, unfortunate boner of a situation. And this for me is uh, wait for a trade, but much for the same reasons as Justice League Dark. I still love this book. I'm just excited to see uh, and just spend half an hour reading it all at once. Yeah, Alex. Anytime he says wait for a trade is not a bad thing. <laughs> The guy doesn't buy single-issue comics unless we're about to talk about them, and I didn't want to buy them. (laughs) So don't worry about his opinions. Okay, and now speaking of staying on the topic of Chew, we're moving to Leviathan. Uh, By the writer of Chew, John Lehman. uh, 
So, and this, I don't want to say this is the second series after Chew, I believe. I'm not positive. But what do you think of Leviathan? Uh, well, now you have me extremely curious as to what else he wrote. I could so be wrong. I will look that up as soon as we're done here. I enjoy Leviathan. Leviathan is like a um, monsters are crashing into the earth. Yeah, it's a it's we're seeing kaiju in a Jew kind of a vibe. Yeah, we're seeing like an apocalyptic event happen. Yeah, like right now as um, it's going on, yeah. like as it's starting, as it's yeah. beginning. I loved Leviathan as well. Like it was like so good. Farmhand, like I'm not sure what's going on, but, but only because there's so much chaos going on here. But I loved it. Like it, like. I'm intrigued. I want more. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens. The art in this is disgustingly beautiful. The cover is great for it as well. I actually, so the cover that Alex is looking at is actually a variant cover. Um, I picked up, and every once in a while when I like a book, or I know that I might like a number one a lot, I pick up a variant and I pick up the normal cover. Just because maybe one day it'll be worth some shit. Who knows? <laughs> but with Leviathan, that's something I did. Because I'm like, this book could be big time. I know how big Chu was. So I went ahead and grabbed the um, the variant cover. There's only two covers that they did. They did this and a variant. And they actually did them both in black and white as well. That's interesting. But this variant cover. Full is cool. color, yeah. It's so really much. neat. Yeah. It's really neat. So what about, are you going to keep buying this? You're going to wait for a trade? I think Leviathan number two comes out next week, and I I will definitely be all over that shit. This is a trade for me in the same vein that you're going to be all over the single issue. But yeah, um, why don't we tell a little bit more about Leviathan? I think we just kind of said, there's kaijus, and that's it. Yeah, but it centers around, I can't remember the main character's name for Life of Me right now. Who gives a shit? Uh, But essentially, all this chaos is happening around him. There's monsters destroying buildings. People are in trouble and dying around him, and he seems to be s- centered around all of it. Yeah, there's one main character in it. I think we watch his girlfriend die in front of him. Yes. Which is kind of dope. It's kind of a <laughs> badass thing to see. Anywho, let's move on to our next book called The Weatherman. This is one that came out. The third issue actually just came out uh, on Wednesday, or maybe last Wednesday. I don't remember. But this is one that I felt needed to be included because of how fucking incredible this book is. What'd you think of it? I hated it. Spoilers. They killed the dog. And after that happened, I was done. Really? That's yes. the Yes. Is that the only reason? Yes, that is the only reason. What do you think of the rest of the book minus the dog killing? I, I was on board until it happened. And after that okay. happened, I was done. And I know it's irrational. You, you don't need to send emails or anything like that. I know it's irrational. That's just my thing. If you're going to kill a dog... It has to be something like Red River Charlie. No, I loved it. It was perfect. Yeah. You you bring in high stakes early. You kill an animal in your first issue, and you let me know how intense your comic is. I will be. say the final page was fantastic. Yeah, the, I know. Yeah. The whole book is great. Basically, the main character, uh, he thinks he's getting these abilities or his powers, or he's having these weird dreams. Uh but it ends with this group of people who I'm assuming they're time travelers or from an alternate reality bust in, blow his dog's head off with his girlfriend in the apartment. And uh, they're about to arrest him for the death of, I want to say, they said 18 million men and women and children. Yeah, so I'll go into a little bit of spoilery type shit here for a few future issues. The guy's name is Nathan Summers. He's the main character. Uh, he is a weatherman on this 
kind of crazy weird planet that we've never seen before. It's like an alternate Earth type of a thing. Oh, maybe Mars is what it is. Um, uh, it's by Jody the Hoop, and she is really delivering some cool shit here. Uh, but anyways, Nathan Summers, basically, before he becomes this weatherman, he causes the death of all of Earth, essentially. He kills 18 million people in some way or other, and then he basically wipes his own memory and becomes this dude, Nathan Summers, and that guy ends up becoming a weatherman. Okay. Hence the name, the weatherman. I don't care if he destroyed all of Earth. The dog deserved to die. Yeah, fuck you. This book is really cool. The art is insane. Tell me the art's not insane. The art's good. Yeah, eat dicks. I'm never I'm never reading this again. It's <laughs> so cool. I will buy the trade and say, hey, skip past that first, <laughs> first, uh, that first book, you douche. Okay, um, and now we're moving past the image. No, let's talk about Weatherman some more and talk about dead dogs. Okay, and we're moving into our first ever Jinx World book. And Jinx World was the uh, imprint, Brian Michael Bennett's, uh personal imprint where he had books like Scarlet uh, with Alex Maleve and um, whatchamacallit. Pearl is going to be on their cover, but yeah. So, and what we're talking about today is Pearl. Yeah, we're talking about a book named Pearl about a woman named Pearl who's got a tattoo. And this, like I said, it's written by That's Bendis. It. That's the whole book. This lady has a tattoo and her name is Pearl. The artist by Michael Gatos. You might remember both those names because they created Jessica Jones together as well. Uh, one of the first big books that Marvel is doing alias for them for the Marvel Max line. So they're reteaming again after just finishing their run together at Marvel, writing their last Jessica Jones story. And this book is about a woman who has a supposedly a million dollar tattoo and there's crime boss stuff happening all around her and maybe it's related to her million dollar tattoo yeah it's interesting and like and i mean i thought that you'd be a fan of the fact that like it centers around a tattoo whose style is so distinct that if you know you're if you're if you're in the know you recognize the artist's style right away because it's so rare to have a tattoo by that artist i thought that was an interesting premise i actually really like that as well um there are people who stop me all the time. I have pretty much full sleeves on both of my arms and people are always asking me about my tattoos and saying, Hey, what do you think? Why do you have all the Teletubbies on your tattoo? And yeah. why is it only Tinky Winky? Why do you have full Tinky Winky sleeves? <laughs> why has Tinky arms? Winky got the biggest cock I've ever seen on your arm? I don't even know if that's a Teletubby, but <laughs> it just sounds like it is. No, I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, you would know. But yeah, so you see this all the time. If you have tattoos, you kind of know like, People are always asking you about them. They're like, oh my God, is that that guy? People like if people know who tattoo artists are. So I thought it was kind of a cool take. Like, oh, there's this one super, yeah. super famous guy that nobody will ever get a tattoo from. And this lady just happens to have a tattoo. Yeah. Him. And like Matt said, it involves her being involved in this criminal crime ring. And we're not exactly sure how she got involved, but there is this excellent flashback scene uh, where someone's going to take away her gun because she killed some men with it. Uh, and she says, you can't take it. It's a flashback to her dad giving her the gun when she was 14 years old, because in his mind, she was a woman now and boys would are, would be attracted to her. And she needed to use that gun on them in case they ever did anything to her. It was a super intense scene. Yeah, I guess it was fine. I like the book. The art's okay. I like it. Gatiss style a lot. I mean, but like I was a big fan. I still am a big fan of alias and Jessica Jones. So it's, I mean, if you're not used to it, 
I can see how he wouldn't be, but I really like what he does. His close-ups of tattoos are incredible. I think the art on those is phenomenal. Yeah, how stressful is that as the artist? Like, okay. Yeah. We have a character who has a one in a million tattoo that's so distinct and so incredible. Can you draw that, please? They don't show it up close, though, so don't. No, that's a smart play. Don't get your dick hard about it, yeah. But he does show up. Uh, he does show a back piece that some dude looked did. looked really good. Yeah, it looked very much like Japanese traditional. It was incredible. It was very, very good. I really appreciated the thought that went into it as somebody who has lots of tattoos. Actually, right before I came over here, I was uh, just having a beer and some dude had some traditional Japanese tattoos. And I was like, oh, cool. And then I read this book. I was like, oh, fuck <laughs> yeah. So what's this book going to be for you? you? This was, I should say, this was the first one that I picked out that we've talked about today. Uh, so y- you don't have the first issue. So are you going to go back to pick up the first issue? Are you going to wait for a trade? Or are you just done forever? So this is a six-issue miniseries. So like I was saying earlier, uh, if it's something that I don't care about a whole ton and that I don't want to stay up on top of, I'll just buy the trade when it comes out. This is one of those, I'll buy the trade when it comes out. I think it's promising. I don't think it's something that's ultra special. I think it'll be really cool. It could be an interesting concept when it's all fully fleshed out. I'm not going to spend $12 on comics and then go buy the, the trade as well when that comes out for 18 bucks or whatever. Yeah, I will wait for the trade, but I'm more excited about this than that is. And between the two business books that we talked about today, I like this one a lot more. I do too. Um, that being said, I don't know that you're more excited about this than I am. Like, I'm actually pretty <laughs> pumped to see the trade of this. I think it's really cool. It's a neat concept. And as that's the only Jinx World book that we have, which shouldn't be a big surprise, we're going to go ahead and jump into yeah, Jinx Marvel. World doesn't have a lot of comic books that come out all the time. So yeah. If you are somebody who picks up comics weekly, you're like, what the fuck is Jinx World? Go to the Jinx World website and find out. Pass. We're going, to, we're going to jump into our first Marvel book. And we're going to do Edge of Spider-Geddon number one. Uh, Spider-Geddon is going to be a Marvel event series focused on Spider-Man. Um, kind of like there was the other Spider-Man event just a few years ago. We're introduced characters like Spider-Punk, Spider-Man Noir. Uh, I think Gwen Stacy might have been a part of that too. Spider-Ham was a part of it. Uh and it's basically going to tie a lot of those characters back in together and bring them back in with Peter Parker. So, but Edge Spider Good number one focuses on my favorite Spider-Man, Spider-Punk, an alternate universe Spider-Man that's Hobby Brown, not Peter Parker, in a world where punk rock is a faction in New York, like a gang territory, and it's amazing. And it was written by a guy named Jed McKay, who I don't think I've read anything by him before. Never heard of this dude in my life. This comic is fucking cool as shit, though. It is. I, I want a Spider Punk comic by Jed McKay. I and I want it weekly. I don't want it bi weekly. I don't want it monthly. I want this thing every fucking I know. week. In fact, uh, I pre ordered the Spider Man game for the PS4. And I haven't pre ordered the game in years, but the reason I did because if you pre order it, you get a skin for Spider Man, and it's the Spider Punk skin. No so shit. when I play the game, I'm playing exclusively as Spider Punk. So I'm stoked about yeah, that. I might do that. I mean, I'm gonna buy the game regardless on PS4, but. Now I kind of have an incentive to just buy it early. <laughs> That's kind of dope. Yeah. So basically it opens up with uh, Spider-Punk with the baseball bat beating up his universe's version of Thor. And Thor just looks like a balding metalhead whose hammer is stuck on him. And then he gets killed by lightning because Kang comes into this universe. But Kang is all about profit. He's not about him yeah. selfishly. He just wants to make money, money, money. Uh, Spider-Man has a sweet set of spikes as a mohawk across his head and a badass denim vest. Because if you were not uh, 
wearing a denim vest, you're not a punk. Yeah, he also got a stud, studded collar around his neck, too. Yeah, Alex, where's your denim vest? I have now revoked your punk card. I only wear it at Good Charlotte shows. <laughs> yeah, if you're not listening to Simple Plan while you're listening to this podcast in the background, then who are you? That's how I wake up every day. <laughs> I still pick my friends over you, okay? Oh, my God. Alex is looking at this comic book and, like, bending the, the front cover backwards, and I want to barf in my mouth. Uh, but this book is absolutely amazing because when Kane the Conglomerate comes in, he wants to kidnap Hubie so he can use him, so he can sell him because he wants the real deal. He's been profiting off his merchandise, and, of course, Spider-Punk wants no part of it. Uh, and so he gets his little army of little, like, small little, like, plush figures that all look like Spider-Punk, and they all shout phrases like, Anarchy, Punk's Not Dead, which is absolutely amazing. It's fantastic. I really, really enjoyed this book. The and art's I'd, fantastic, too, in this book. It's pretty cool. The art's not bad. I enjoyed the art. Uh, I really want a Spider-Punk 12-issue maxi-series. I know. Even the characters, like, we get introduced this this person's world of Captain America as well. It's not Steve Rogers again, it's someone else. But he's got, like, the Anarchy A for the A on his helmet, which is a nice little touch to the universe. Uh, he's defending against Annihilus, but the Annihilus uh, is just a bunch of, it's a gang dressed like Annihilus as green bugs, and they all love surf rock because they're Annihilus, which I thought was a nice touch because they're ready for Wipeout. Yeah, uh, that was pretty funny. Yeah, all the different factions in this world are different like fans of genres of music, uh, which, I mean, there's just so much going on in this Marvel Earth. But uh, Here's the only thing that is extremely sad to me, is it looks like Spider-Punk is leaving this uh, music-oriented world and it for, also, for Into the Spider-Verse Volume 2. And also, like, Hubie also wanted to know why Kang wanted him above everyone else. And it's because everyone... Because, like all legends, he stayed a legend because he died young. Oh, yeah. So it hints... Which is an excellent writing, excellent twist. But also hints that he's going to die, which I don't want. Like you said, I want a 12-issue series of Spider-Punk. Yeah, please. I mean, it can end with his death. I don't give a shit. But, like, let's get a punk Spider-Verse. Yeah. And going down. Kang talks about how the only thing that could stop him would be an atomic bomb. And Hubie gets this tape that he wants to get played. <laughs> uh, and he hears this tape to his friend Robbie. And when you read Robbie, if you're uh, an avid Spider-Man reader, you think like Robbie at the Daily Bugle, who's now the editor-in-chief of the Daily Bugle, so he's going to his version of Robbie. But it turns out that Robbie is short for Robert Bruce Banner. Yeah. And when the tape plays, he turns into the Hulk and destroys Kang. But it's a Hulk with a mohawk, a giant tattoo on his arm that says metal on there. Tons of tattoos yeah. on his arm. Yeah. He's got it's some just of those amazing. Jason Momoa tattoos on him, too. Yeah. This was a book that like, I know you had no interest in, but I think after you read it that you you sound like you're all on board. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to pick up the miniseries. I doubt I pick up the trades. I will read it on uh, Marvel Unlimited, though. Yeah. Because I don't think it's going to be very centered on punk Spider-Man. No, but... I do think now if you hear series coming out about a spider punk that you'd be all on board. Fuck yeah. Uh, or even now, if you see more stuff written by Jed McKay that you'd be interested in. Too. You're goddamn right. Jed McKay did some cool shit there. Okay, now we're going to jump into one that I'm super excited about. This is the last one that I got. But this is Extermination. The X-Men event featured on the time-displaced X-Men, Iceman, Cyclops, Beast, Jean Grey, and Angel. This is a story uh, six or seven years in the making, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's like I've been like I've enjoyed the X-Men books. Uh, businesses I really enjoyed for the most part. But there has been, I think, like an amazing X-Men series in a while. And I thought that the time to spice X-Men need to go back to their own time. 
Uh, so I'm hoping that that's the series does. But the series is written by Ed Brinson, who's not writing the current X-Men books, uh, which I believe it's Tom Taylor, Charles Sewell, Guggenheim, and Colin Bunn. But all those series are wrapping up as it's going to be the lead into a bunch of new X-Men books. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about a bunch of new X-Men stuff. Um, I don't know how I feel about Extermination either. I thought it was all right. I thought it was mad cool, but I also thought it was just kind of cool enough to want to check out once, but not really like, it's not a series I plan on rereading so far. I mean, I thought it was pretty sick. Like we basically start off with Cyclops and Bloodstorm on a date and Bloodstorm gets murdered and killed. Uh, and Bloodstorm, you don't, for those who don't know, is a uh, version of Storm from another universe where everyone's a vampire and shows he's a vampire and uh, they killed her. And I was like, thank you. I'm tired of duplicates. Let's get rid of another duplicate. Good start. Good start. Uh, but the people that kill Bloodstorm are all hounds. And if you're familiar with the X-Men, the hounds are what Rachel Gray is. Uh, but she eventually broke herself from them. And so they think that Rachel won't be involved or she knows who might be. But it goes deeper than that because we see Iceman being attacked by someone in a cloak. And Cable jumps in to save him. And there's this great line where the person attacking was riding a cloak says like you should have you should know better should have stopped them and which is always curious because basically cable fixes time that's what he does when there's errors in the timeline he takes care of them so some people always wondered why did cable ever allow this to happen but cable's reason is because they need to see what they become they need to be better than who they are uh, which is a great or reason. they just need to be fucking dead <laughs> uh, but I mean major spoiler Bobby gets knocked out. And this mysterious person kills Cable, which really bummed me up because Cable's one of my favorite Marvel characters. And Cable's dead. Dead, dead, dead. Also, if you look at the last page, and this could be spoiler for Alex here. I'm not sure if he saw this. But there's a page of all the old X-Men and it has an X over Iceman's head. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, so, so Iceman he, might be dead as he well, might too. Be dead but he did take his body. But the person that killed Cable was... Cable. It looks like a young Cable. Yeah, he looks really fucking green. Yeah. And so, so I mean, I could go away with Cable being Cable. What I don't want to happen is I don't want young Cable to replace old Cable. Like, I want to get rid of all the young X-Men. I want to go back. Uh, just, I want to keep it with the original five, especially because Jean Grey is already back to the original Jean Grey. So, I'm hoping that Cable's death gets reversed by the end of the series. But I'm all on board with this event. Uh, you want to know what I I care about? Absolutely nothing on this. Um, I think it's neat that they're wrapping up a storyline that's seven years old. Like, why did they let it continue this long? That's make the, money. Who gives a shit? Nobody's liked the a lot of these X Men runs for a fucking minute. So let's end this shit and do something new and cool. So goodbye. Thank you, Extermination, for providing us some wrap ups. But it's three or four years too late. I will say, too, I think Pepe Larraza's art is great in this book, too. Oh, the art's fantastic. Yeah. It's really cool. And Ed Brinson did a run on Iron Man recently that I liked a lot. So I'm really excited to see where the series goes. So are you going to read this trade after it's all done? Or are you uh, Marvel Unlimited? What are you going to do? I might pick it up on Marvel Unlimited, which is a... $10 a month service. I don't think we've talked about Marvel Unlimited so far. <laughs> um, but yeah, I might pick it up on there. I might read it. I'm not super interested unless it's going to like lead into a whole bunch of other cool stuff. 
Which it, it should, but I don't really care that much. I loved it. I'll buy it on trade, but I also buy every single X-Men team book or miniseries on trade. Yeah, so if you're a X-Men slut like Alex, then go ahead and, and buy this, I guess. Now we're going to move on to probably the biggest issue that we're talking about. The Fantastic Four have returned. It is the biggest Marvel relaunch of all the Marvel relaunches. And there's like 20 some odd Marvel relaunches that are happening. Or Every day. Ones. Um, if not more, there could be even thirties, but this is by far the biggest one. And it's written by Dan Slott, uh, who had his run on Spider-Man forever. Who we've talked about with art by Sarah Bocelli, who I think is a fantastic artist. I'm a big fan of her work. The art's fucking great in this book. Uh, and I just started reading the Marvel two in one, which is about, uh, the thing and the human torch, uh, and how they're dealing with living in a post Sue and Reed world on earth written by Chip Zdarsky. And I think that book is excellent. Uh, but this book, I was a, I was a little disappointed by. What do you think? Oh, I actually enjoyed it quite a lot. Um, I thought it gave a good jumping off point. It spoke to where uh, Sue and Reed and their children have been for the past several years, like why they haven't been a part of the universe. Yeah, it's, I mean, I enjoy their moments. I really enjoyed. I loved Ben proposing. To his longtime girlfriend, Alicia. I thought that was a nice moment. That's fantastic. Uh, and I thought like him asking Johnny to be his best man and then Johnny leaving in a huff because he said only Reed should be the best man and him making and him conceding that because of that, Ben's given up hope. That's a lot of return. I thought that was a real touching moment too. Yeah, it, it really was. Um, I don't know why you didn't love it. Like those are some fantastic moments. This book actually inspired me. I've never really been a big Fantastic Four person. It inspired me to go kind of look up some of the classics. Um, the Galactus, where Galactus came in, Silver yeah. Surfer came in. It's fantastic. There, yeah, there's some amazing Fantastic Four storylines. Grant lines. Morrison had an incredible little um, mini series on Fantastic Four, the one, two, three, four. I went and read that. Also great. Like this book, I thought was really neat. Like, I, I think that's, I mean, that's great too, that like it ex- inspires someone like you who hadn't read really, I don't think, much of any Fantastic Four very, at all very little. that wanted you to go back because, I mean, it, it gave you left you wanting more, which is really a strong case for this book. Yeah, so if you're not somebody, or if you are somebody who has not read very much Fantastic Four in your life, this is a cool jumping off point. See, I think just my disappointment came from, I was just so ready for Reed and Sue to come back and Franklin and Valerie, the children, but we just see none of them in this book at all. We see them... In a flashback story, but not actually where they are now. Well, here's the thing. This book does not reunite the Fantastic Four. Or number two will. Like, they have people on a string ready to go. It's smart writing. It's just intelligent. Like, they're Dan Slott is doing a very good job of selling Fantastic Four number two on top of selling Fantastic <laughs> Four number one. What do you think of the backup story? I thought it was fine. Like, I mean, like, nothing here blows anybody away. Like, it's not incredible story writing. But it's enough, and it's the Fantastic Four for the first time since 2013. Something yeah, like I believe so. Yeah, like five or six years. Like fuck yeah, off. Yeah, like, last time I think we fine. saw him since uh, Hickman's uh, uh, event storyline. And I'm pretty sure the last time I talked about Dan Slott, I shit all over him with the Spider-Man <laughs> stuff. But I enjoyed this. You can actually pick up a signed copy for, and I know this is weird. 13 euros. If you go to <laughs> Forbidden Planet's website, you can buy a huh. signed copy of number one Fantastic Four. And I actually went and bought an extremely expensive 
variant cover for Fantastic Four number one with a black and white Jack Kirby drawing. That's on cool. It, limited uh, to one per store. So it's oh, that's super awesome. Rare. Yeah. Uh, we should mention the backup story. It's basically about Doctor Doom. It's about yeah. him putting his mask back on and basically reclaiming Laveria, uh, which I just wasn't a big fan of because I like him being the infamous Iron Man. It's so funny, I think, in a way that I was just railing about how I'm ready for the X-Men to go back to a more classic X-Men approach. And I now I'm bummed that Doctor Doom's going back to a more classic Doctor Doom approach. Yeah, eat shit, dude. I, you can't have things both ways. I mean, maybe you can. <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> you really can in comic books. Um, let's move on to The Punisher by Matthew Rosenberg. And he just, got, he just finished writing to The Punisher series where Punisher was War Machine for a bit. But this is his first take on a more traditional Punisher book. Yes, and he is also writing Multiple Man, which we have talked about. Love Multiple Man. I, I thought it was great. I've only read the first issue of that. What do you think of issue one of Punisher? I thought it was okay. Uh, there were some really cool action beats, which I enjoyed. The art is exactly how the art should be in a Punisher book. It's got that dark, gritty tone that I like when I read a Punisher book. Even though my favorite Punisher artist is Steve Dillon, which I don't really have that, but that's beside the point. Yeah, Steve Dillon um, writing or drawing <laughs> Punisher is kind of weird and quirky, but it's fine. It works. It's if you've ever read Preacher, you're like, this works so good. Yeah. Uh, but it moved a little slow. I loved the ending of the book, and I liked that we're seeing the Punisher interact with more traditional villains. We see him interact with Mandarin, or not see him, but he's basically going against Mandarin, Baron Zemo, uh, Mr. Egger from the Thor books. So I like that approach. We haven't really seen that as much. But the book itself was a little slow pace for me. A little too much build up. Too much Baron Zemo. Not enough Frank Castle. Uh, you had one thing right. The fact that it ended was fantastic. <laughs> I was so over this shit. And here, I'm going to go ahead and be a little extra. Everybody, turn your volume up real loud, okay? Oh my god, he just tore the book up. Which seems like real waste because I just would have taken it. <laughs> yeah, that is a $5 book that I thought was oh. total fucking shit. I will never let Matt forget this when that book is going for like $1,000 at a convention like 20 years from I now. I hope it does. It's still all here. Like you can restaple it if you fucking want. I don't think that makes the value go back to instantly to what it was. <laughs> I have no fucking interest in this book. It was bullshit. It was weirdly paced. It didn't make a whole lot of fucking sense. The only cool part uh, was when he killed the Mandarin. With right a, in front of Tony Stark. With, it's an apparently a magic bullet. Where yeah. the fuck did he get a magic uh, bullet? Who Frank knows? Frank Castle knows how to get every weapon known to man. If he was going to get a weapon, it was going to be Frank Castle. This book jumped all over the place. Like, oh, where's this guy? Oh, no, he killed this other guy. Like, oh, where's this guy? Oh, he killed another guy. It's so bullshit, and it doesn't make sense or flow whatsoever. I fucking hated this. If you think this book is remotely good... You're a piece of human trash, and I don't ever want to see you or talk to you. Well, I liked it. Uh, All right. This podcast. Uh, I'll read it digitally. This is our 51st podcast, and it's done. It's game fucking over. I hate the new Punisher. So now we're going to jump into our last Marvel book, <laughs> which is West Coast Avengers by Kelly Thompson. Oh, it's a really fun book, too. Like I'm super excited to talk about it. <laughs> I love this book. It's my favorite that we read. Uh, our, whoa, 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 whoa. This is the favorite. No, one of my. Oh, okay, okay. Not uh, saying that that's a bad thing. Yeah. I was just curious. It's good. It's yeah, really good. I loved it. Uh, weirdly enough, I just started reading a trade that Kelly Thompson wrote today, the Gambit and Rogue trade, which I'm also a big fan of about halfway through it. And so I, I've loved everything she's done that I've read by her. Her run on the Hawkeye was really good. And this is a West Coast Avengers team. They always seem to be a little more goofy than the traditional Avenger books. 
And I think it's got a really strong team so far. Yeah, I really enjoy this team. I wish it was maybe one or two team members stronger. Not like in a yeah. I care about those team members kind of way, but like this if it book, had like one more funny person in it, like I would be over the moon. Yeah, this book has really two really powerful teammates and then a bunch of like anywhere from like B to D level uh, teammates. You have the two like Omega Powers. You have Quentin Quire uh, of X-Men fame. Uh, who's kind incredibly of a powerful? Dickhead. Yes, which is why I love Quentin Quire. Which is actually why it's kind of funny. They make fun of him. You have good. America Chavez, uh, who's been with Hawkeye a lot in the past. She was part of the Young Avengers team, written by Kieran Gillen, which is an excellent run. I recommend for she everyone. She is not the actress that stars in uh, Ugly Betty. No, she is not America Ferrara. Yeah, very uh, different. I learned the hard way. Don't ask. You have both Hawkeyes, which they're always fun, especially around one another. Yes, I prefer. Clint Barton, although Katie is very funny. And right. you have Fuse, who was introduced during Kelly Bishop's or Kelly Thompson's run on Hawkeye. Is that good? Do you do you really enjoy yeah, that? Yeah, I really did enjoy it. It's a fun book. Is uh, it funny as well, I assume? Yeah, it's. I mean, there's a little bit of dark moments. It's not as funny as this, but it's also some really strong moments. I mean, she teams up with Jessica Jones at one point. She teams up with Gwenpool against her will. And as I say that, the last member of the team is Gwenpool. Um, question. Now that we're talking about the two Hawkeyes here in West Coast Avengers, please rate these books for me. Would you rather read the Katie Bishop Hawkeye series uh-huh. or the Matt Fraction? Oh, the Matt Fraction. I mean, that's probably... Yeah, you goddamn right. That's the greatest Hawkeye run of all time. It's one of the best Marvel runs of all time. I will throw that out there, and I will put it up against just about anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can debate that for sure. If you're um, looking for a fun, easy series that's very funny... Please go check out the Matt Fraction Hawkeye from like six years ago, five years ago. But this book opens with I'm not uh, done talking Clint about Barton Hawkeye being interviewed on camera. Um, and uh, he's basically being asked kind of insulting questions, and we don't know why. But it cuts back to four weeks ago with the land shark incident, which is literally Kate Bishop riding on top of a shark with legs uh, with thousands of sharks running through downtown California. Yeah, you know right beach away side. it's going to be goofy. And that's really all you need to know about this book yeah. is it's goofy, it's fun, and that's it. Like, yeah. just go enjoy it. I'm actually going to pick up West Coast Avengers number two. I think it's very fun. It's very light. It's amazing watching Quentin Choir play off everyone. Quentin's funding the team, by the way, which is why he's a part of the team because he's their money man. He, that's also reason why there's that documentary aspect because he's having a documentary made about himself. Which gives it very much like kind of office Parks and Rec feel, which is kind of cool to the yeah, book. If they keep that up and they keep it fresh and good, yeah. I might buy this book to 25. Yeah. However, if they lose that aspect or it just kind of teeters off, I could see myself stop collecting it after about five. Uh, I have faith in this book. But I do too. I really do. Yeah. So you, you said you're going to be picking up. I'm going to buy this trade for sure. Uh, I think it's an amazing book. Excellent. I love it. And that was our last Marvel book, like I said. But now we're jumping into our only Vertigo book. But it's a big one. The biggest book that we're talking about here today is the Sandman Universe Rebirth. Sandman Universe number one, which is really the only Sandman Universe book there is. Which it's the story by Neil Gaiman. Or sorry, Neil Gaiman. Uh, And it's four stories in here or lead into the four separate books. And it's written by Simon Spurrier, Cat Howard, uh, Nalo Hopkinson, and Dan Waters. Yes. And it 
basically is a introduction into the new Sandman universe, which will be four new comics, just like Alex said. Uh, what are they all called? I know one's called The Dreaming. We have a new Lucifer book, House of Whispers, which kind of reminds me of the House of Mystery series that Vertigo had. Uh, and Books of Magic will be continuing, which is a series that Neil Gaiman started with Tim Hunter, who's been in and out of the DC and Vertigo universe over the years. Um, I fucking love this. I'm so excited. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh, there's a lot of confusing moments because there's so much going on, so many characters. I did love having the Raven as the continual thread through each of the stories. It was great. I thought that was really cool. It was, uh, very, it was very Gaiman to have Matthew the Raven come through and and really deliver a lot of cool shit to Everybody in this in this comic book. So out of the four, uh, Dreaming, Book of Magic, House of uh, Secrets, and Lucifer, which one are you most looking forward to? Oh, I gotta I gotta look at it here because I don't remember which one is called which <laughs> off the top of my head. It's not Lucifer. Um, uh, I want to say it's uh, the Dreaming is the one I'm most excited for. It's either the Dream, yeah. The Dreaming is the one I'm, I'm by far the most excited for. I'm really looking forward to Books of Magic. I just like Tim Hunter as a character. I'm looking forward to all of them. Is The Dreaming written by Simon Spurrier? Is that his? Do you know? I'm looking and I'm not seeing anything. Yeah, whichever one Spurrier will write too, I'll read. Spurrier had an excellent run uh, writing Legion for Marvel, which I recommend everyone read if you enjoy the Legion TV show. It's very much in the same vein, but a completely different story. Uh, but just kind of the same out there material. Yeah, I had no idea that Books of Magic was a continuation of really anything. So I'm I'm excited to to read that one. But by far, I am most most looking forward to um, the Dreaming, and it's not close. Yeah, the only thing I'm disappointed by is Neil Gaiman's one of my favorite authors, if not my favorite author. I'm not talking about just across comics, but across writing in general. So I was hoping, even though he did the story, for him to have an actual written by credit. But maybe we'll get something down the line from him, especially if the Sandman universe is a success. And I just like the idea of having stories in this universe that he created. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped for that. I'm, I'm excited to see Dream of the Endless again, even though he's different now. Obviously, if you've read the Sandman series. But yeah, that's about all I've got for uh, for this. Uh, let's We're going to rank these for you. So we're probably going to pause this so we can go back over like the 17 books we did. We never paused, or did we? That movie magic. Yeah, I went and took a big shit, so we definitely paused that. So what would you say is your number 12, your least favorite? So we have 12 books that we just talked about. Can I guess, is it the one that you ripped up? (laughs) Man, I don't know how you guessed my number 12, but you are a... Wizard magician. Yes. You are a grand wizard, my friend. I used my Hocus Crocus, and I <laughs> and I got that one out. Hocus Crocus. Uh, probably not surprisingly for me, either my number 12 is the weatherman. What would you say? The weatherman? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? Oh, you can fuck right off. What was your favorite one? I'm going to rank that number 11. <laughs> what about you for number 11? Uh, number 11, I'm going to put... Um, I actually liked the next 11 books pretty well but i'm gonna put uh extermination at number 11 uh i i disagree with you on that one but i'm gonna go with action comics 1001 for myself i will put that at number 10 uh 
Number 10, I think I'm going to go with Leviathan. Kind of like you enjoyed all the rest. I really enjoyed Leviathan, too. I'm excited to see more, but we just picked a bunch of bo- good books this month, coincidentally. Yeah, I think we really did as well. Um, uh, next, I think I'm going to have to put um, Pearl at, at number nine. nine. It was good. And like I said, we, we have so many nice books here that the rest of these, like I fully intend to, to own to some degree. My number nine is going to be Fantastic Four. What about your number eight? I think I'm actually going to put Fantastic Four at number eight. As much as I enjoyed it, uh, yeah, it was, it's there. My uh, number eight is going to be the Sam universe. I enjoyed it, but it's not a complete story. It's four, it's just an introduction into four books, which is a really cool way to open it up. But it just leaves you wanting more and doesn't really give you a whole picture of anything. I think for number seven, I'm going to go with uh, Justice League Dark. Uh, that's, I mean, yeah, that's a tough pick to have it at number seven because there's so many good books. Yeah. Mine's going to be Farmhand, which, again, I really enjoyed. But it's, it's just, this is like having to pick between your favorite child. I now know what parents with two kids go through every day. Uh, yeah, Sophie's choice. As parents are constantly picking their favorite child. Yeah, I get it. Uh, number six, I would say the Spider-Man book. Edge of Spider-Geddon, number Edge one. Edge of Spider-Geddon, number one. Yeah, my number six is going to have to be probably Pearl. Uh, I like Pearl a lot. I can't wait to see more. But there's just... I like we talked about at nauseum. There's so much good stuff this time. Uh, number five, West Coast Avengers for me. Look, uh, number five for me is going to be Justice League Dark. Uh, I can't wait for more. Actually, man, I screwed that up. Let's bump that up to number four for me, and let's just put Punisher down to number ten. Um, oh, because I completely there? forgot because with it being torn up, <laughs> it just wasn't visible in my line of sight. So now I'm ahead. I'm at number four. So pick your number four. Uh, Sandman Universe. Uh, okay. I thought it was fantastic. Not a top three comic though. Okay. Uh, so my number three is going to be Edge of Spider Geddon. I loved it. I love Spider Punk. I want more. It was. For a single issue, for a one-shot character that's not even a real character in the Marvel Universe, it was pretty perfect. Uh, number three, I'm going to put uh, Leviathan. Uh, the Rob Lehman image comic. So good. So very, very good. Number two for me was Extermination. It was one of the better X-Men books I've read in a long, long time. Uh, but when you kill off my favorite characters, you're not getting the number one spot. Totally understand. Um Number two, and maybe this is because I've read the second and third issue of this comic, but Weatherman. Yeah, well, we all make terrible decisions. Uh, <laughs> my number one is going to be West Coast Avengers. Okay. Can't wait everyone to go pick this up, no matter where you are with comics. Yeah, it's fine. It's okay, I guess. Uh, my number one is Farmhand by Rob Guillory. The best comic that you could ever read. I've also read two issues of this, and it is so... So fucking good. So Matt cheats when and he picks so the number one creative. or number two. We got it. Uh, well, anyways, that is going to wrap it up for our longest episode ever. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Marvel Rising Initiation, the TV series. Uh, as always, you can email us at henchmanofcomics at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram. Please like, subscribe, and download this podcast. Follow us on Facebook and all the Twitter universes. For the Henchman of Comics, I'm Alex Eschbeck. And I am Rob Guillory. Henshin ain't easy.